the Colby Daniels Podcast, and it is game week as I welcome in one of my favorite friends, one of my uh, favorite football people. He is Zach Lancaster with PokesReport.com and uh, Triple Play Sports Radio. Zach, what's happening, man? Not much, man. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, look, I've, I've kind of had the football fever since the NFL Hall of Fame game, since you know we've had these episodes of Hard Knocks, preseason football, and now we're like here. It is game week for college football. I am, I am just excited through the roof. I, I can't even express accurately my excitement level. I didn't think we'd ever get here. Ever. Like, I mean, personally, I didn't think I'd get here <laughs> but, uh, last year. Uh, but it just it feels like it's been two years since the yeah. 2020 college football season. It just because it was so weird and it was so out there. And I, I don't know if you had this feeling, but I just in the back of my mind, in the bottom of my gut, I just I had a, a suspicion like every time I got an email from the Big 12 or every time I got an email from Oklahoma State, it was going to be, well, you know, we've had some positive cases and things aren't looking good. So we're going to shut back down. And it ha- didn't happen. They had a full yeah. spring with Oklahoma State. Um, you had a full summer with Oklahoma State, a full fall camp. Um, still going to have, you know, full stadiums in the fall. I mean, we're we're five days away from 35,000 tailgaters across the Oklahoma state campus. And I cannot wait the, uh, yeah, the smells of all the, uh, the cookers and, oh, I, I, uh, yeah. Did you make your way up to Stillwater last year for a game? I did not make it to any college football games last year. One of the most depressing things was walking through the West end zone parking lot yeah. and they're not being about 15 smokers going. Wow. The air's clear. Um, as nice as it was to walk from the parking garage to the loading dock in like six minutes. It was, it was awful because you didn't hear the noises. You didn't see right. the, the you know people playing cornhole and the train horns going off and all the barbecue smoke. And you know, it was, you, you didn't hear the music and the TVs and, and it was, it was a little depressing. And then you yeah. go into the stadium and it's like, 14,000 people is like going to a KU game for homecoming <laughs> or an Oklahoma state game 20 years ago. That yeah, was eerie, yeah. man. It was eerie, yeah. but I'm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited. I, um, you mentioned hard knocks. Uh, are those, are those fly through drone videos? Not the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Dude. I said on the, on the podcast last week with Aaron, when we talked about hard knocks, that that is like maybe one of the top five, like best three minutes of television oh, I've ever seen. Oh, my aim, the, the Dolphins Holy cow. Out a few days later, every program, college and NFL need to get someone that can operate a drone proficiently. Absolutely. Out one of these videos, because that was one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. Like I'm at the point that I want to learn how to, to fly a drone like that just because I thought it was so badass. Like I just want, I, oh, I, 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 it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. So I, and it still blows me away every time I see deep inside the guts. I mean, it was, it, yeah. it's just incredible. Yeah. And and you would think that with all the, and all the nice facilities that Dallas would be good at football, but Hey, here we are here. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to let, <laughs> let hard knocks, like get me so excited that my realistic, my expectations become unrealistic, but, uh, I'd be lying if I said that, that wasn't happening to some degree. So, uh, I'm like, you, calm, you, down, you, calm down, calm down. 
And I guarantee you, like all the Dallas Cowboys in my fantasy football draft, like every single one of them's value has gone up. So on my big board, like I've moved every single sure. Dallas Cowboy a little bit higher just because of hard knocks. So, you know, it kind of has that uh, that effect on people uh, in general. But let's uh, let's talk about the other Cowboys that because the reason their hard knock shows up is because it's not the best football team right. in the NFL. It, right. It, it, it shouldn't have that effect on yeah, you, but it, but it does. I'm with you. And they play in the NFC East, so, you know, like. That's true. They yeah. should win that thing. Yeah, they should. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about the other Cowboys, because I think as far as college football goes, and especially the Big 12, with all the chaos of this offseason and, you know, the future departures of, you know, the Blue Bloods in Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, Oklahoma State, I feel like at least being the biggest school remaining the the be, the best positional school as far as like program and and all that, um, I I think you know these next couple of years are really important for Oklahoma State football, and as far as this year, like I've seen projections Zach that have them anywhere from like second to like seventh, and for me yeah. it's kind of in the in the three four five range. I think for me it's it's Oklahoma uh, clearly at the top based on what they return. And their question marks. I think it's Iowa State at, at clear cut number two for me, based on what they return and their question marks. And then, you know, I think Oklahoma State's right in that next group with you know maybe like TCU. Uh, Texas still has maybe a little bit too many question marks for me to legitimately say I expect them to be better than the Cowboys. But um, I, I think that Oklahoma State for me returns enough. Uh, in a bunch of different areas that if you have high expectations for this team, if you think they can make a run at one of those two spots in a Big 12 championship, I don't think that's necessarily crazy. Again, I don't think they're on the level of the top two teams, but to say that they're not just one spot behind that, I I, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, you know, and I'm with you. I, I've seen the predictions, you know, I, there's there hasn't been as many twos, but I've, I've seen a few second place finish, finishes um, and and. I don't know if this is because I cover them all the time, um, but I, I'm surprised at how many sixth and seventh place finish votes I've seen. Um, because you look at it, and, and Oklahoma State returns a lot of guys and, and a lot of depth. And I understand. So there's for me, there's really two positions that this team is going to hinge on. Um, obviously, that's quarterback. You know, is is the news that Spencer Sanders made the progressions in the spring, uh, having a full off season, a full off, a full spring with Tim Rattay, you know, has he made the foot, you know, the footwork progression as he, you know, pre-snap reads, are those improved? Um, can he, can he figure out his, his awareness in the pocket and his timing? If all of that happens and, and it clicks, I think Spencer could be really good this year. Um, because you look at the offensive line, the offensive line is experienced. The offensive line is deep. They brought in a guy in Danny Godlewski who pro scouts, uh, they, they talked to him and they, you know, uh, reference him to Jeff Saturday. I mean, that's, that's a big comparison. You bring back guys like Josh Sills. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be, be really important for him, you know, and, and hopefully they don't have a, a, a season like 2020 where, you know, you lose two guys in fall camp, your left starting left tackle medically retires. And in the first game you lose two of your starters to injury. I mean, that was one of the most, un I, I don't know if there's been a more unfortunate offensive line in Oklahoma state history. And I, I'd probably venture to yeah. bet a lot of colleges haven't had seasons like that in one position. So uh, the offensive line looks good. And then obviously receiver. Um, I'm really curious to see what receiver can do. I, I, you know, Tay Martin, he looks good. He's in, he's in the best shape of his life uh, and physically. 
you know, he said so. Gundy said so. I'm excited to see if he can fill that role. Um, we saw a burst towards the end of the year with Brennan Presley. I'm excited to see what Brennan Presley brings. Um, I was surprised to see so many freshmen in the two deep. Obviously, uh, Blaine Green getting the start and his brother Bryson right behind him in, at the two spot. Um, you got Jaden Bray right behind Tay Martin. And then you got John Paul Richardson uh, behind Brennan Presley. And we saw John Paul and, and we saw Jaden Bray in the spring game and they looked good. Um, so I'm excited about that. But I, I tell you, this this is the only year that I've never been worried about an Oklahoma State defense. I, I don't think I'm worried. I'm with you. Yeah. At, at, at any position. I, I understand that they lost Cam Murray out of the middle of the defensive line. You lose a, a guy like Eamon Ogbonabamiga, one of the best linebackers in the Big 12, and you lose what very easily could be a starting NFL corner in Radarius Williams. He's had a really solid training camp with with the New York Giants. Those are those are three pretty, pretty big losses, but you look at who fills in. Devin Harper, um, he's been here for five or six years. He's, he's incredibly athletic. Jim Knowles says he's probably the most athletic guy he's ever been around. Um, he's fast. He's physical. He, he knows the system. I think Devin's going to be really good. Um, a linebacker that I'm, I'm very excited about. And I, I like Malcolm and I think Malcolm's one of the most underrated linebackers in the country and he's one of the best. Um, but Mason Cobb, the sophomore out of Provo, Utah, I think Mason Cobb is going to, Mason has a, I think Mason has a chance to start before the end of the year. I think Mason's going to light the world on fire and people aren't there. It's funny because when I was going through the depth chart last night, they have the two deep and there's tidbits on each guy. He was the defensive player in the year in Utah, his senior year. His, it's almost like Oklahoma State wants him to fly under the radar because what his tidbits are is saw action in each of the final five games as a freshman in 2020, played basketball and baseball in high school, has five brothers. <laughs> so, AKA, uh, don't look over here, nothing to see here. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. then you look at the Secret safety weapon. group. The safety group is is one of the best in the country. I mean, you look at you look at the tandem of, of Trey Sterling uh, and Colby Harvell Peel. Um, you throw Tanner McAllister into the mix, and he has greatly improved. You got Thomas Harper behind him. Uh, Sean Michael Flanagan out of Arkansas has come along. He's behind Trey Sterling, and then Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor made a couple of really impressive plays last year. A couple of special teams touchdowns. Um, I think Jason is has improved, and then and then corner. That, that would be a bit of a question, I guess, because Christian Holmes wasn't great last year, but that's the whole, you know, you got to get your mindset right and you got to get your body right. He came in a little late. Um, he's had a full off season and a full spring with Rob Glass in the position group, and he's got a grasp on things. Um, I like Jark Bernard Converse on the other side of him. I'm, I'm interested to see how he fills in for, for Radarius. Um, and then the backups, they're young, but they have earned a lot of playing time. You look at, you know, you got Corey Black behind Christian Holmes. And then obviously Jabbar Muhammad, cousin to former OSU corner AJ Green. Um, that kid is really athletic. He's he's good. I think uh, he's out of DeSoto, and I think I think he's got a chance to to make some noise this year. So I'm I'm really not worried about the defense at all. And I don't know if there's been too many times in my life where I'm more excited to watch an Oklahoma State defense and an Oklahoma State offense because OSU's offense historically has been pretty high powered, high profiled. And if Spencer can stay healthy and that offensive line can protect him, I think we could see an Oklahoma State offensive old this year. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think I'm I'm probably higher on the defense than most people as well. Um, I, I want to go back to the quarterback because I think it's such an interesting dynamic to this team. It's it's kind of a rare situation in college football where you have a team that has you know like top twenty five potential. 
And for one of the biggest question marks on the team to be a guy that's a returning starter at that position that's been on campus for four years, like that just doesn't happen that often. So like, it's, it's interesting to say like, is Spencer Sanders going to be the guy finally that we all like felt like he could turn into when you look at the skill set? Because like when this guy's good, you can tell he, he has the skill set to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Uh, the problem is there are massive inconsistencies in his game. And I mean, you referenced it, you know, obviously having a full off season, having an off season where you can actually do football things as opposed to what we got a year ago, offensive line help, uh, as opposed to the offensive line situation that you referenced a year ago, like, there are things outside of his control that I think will just naturally make him much better this year than a year ago. But at the same time, there's still the space between his ears that I think people are questioning. And if he takes those next steps, that's probably the difference in what we were talking about as far as the ranking of like being the second or third team in the Big 12 to maybe like five or six. A hundred percent. And I think something that kind of gets overlooked, um, you kind of hit on it. Uh, I think I think what gets overlooked is the fact that this is his the, the second year in a row with the same quarterback coach. Um, and you go back to last year, that was his third quarterback coach in three years. And he didn't, didn't really get to do anything with him because of, because of the pandemic. Um, you know, his first year he was brought in by Mike Yersich, who's now down in Texas. That was his first year, but didn't really get Mike Yersich because Taylor Cornelius was the starter. Um, Yersich leaves. And then you've got Sean Gleason coming in, um, and then Gleason was here one year before he left and went back east. And then you bring in Tim Rattay and then the pandemic hits. So um, having having a second year with Tim Rattay, the same, you know, the same throwing motions, the same uh, the same techniques and everything. Just the same voice uh, and the same voice <laughs> yeah. and, and, and a full spring, like you said, with actual football activities. Um, I, I think that's kind of getting overlooked. And I think that's going to play a big role, um, you know, and, and honestly, I think that if Spencer had a healthy offensive line last year, I think I think they probably would have won that Texas game. Um, I don't think they would have struggled against TCU like they did. Um, and if you win those two games, you're setting with one loss in conference play, and that's OU. Um, and you're most likely playing OU in the Big 12 championship game. And I'm and I'm trying to I'm I'm really trying to set aside uh, the fact that I cover Oklahoma State exclusively. Um, and the fact that I covered Spencer in high school and, and Spencer yeah. was one of the most dynamic high school quarterbacks I've ever watched. Um, we were like our, the Texas player of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, was. you don't, yeah, you don't get that like by not being good. Yeah. He, and, and he could do whatever he wanted to any team he was going against. Um, it, it was, it was just so impressive. And I, you know, we recorded, uh, our podcast last night, uh, that's coming out today, or I, I guess it'd be Friday. <laughs> uh, I want to see Spencer the way he was in high school. And and I don't say that because I want to see that athleticism. I I don't want to see that level of success. I want to see Spencer happy. That comfort level, right? Yeah, because when you go back to watching him in high school, Spencer, he had an air about him. He was so confident. He was happy. He enjoyed playing the game. And I'm not saying that he's miserable and that he's not enjoying playing the game, but I want to see him out there on the field and I want to watch him enjoy to play football. I want to see him doing the things that he can do because that's the Spencer that, that Oklahoma State recruited. That's the Spencer yeah. that we saw against Miami. Um, and I think that's a good starting point is the Miami game, because I think that's going to be the Spencer we see this year. He's um, If he can, you know, I think this is his 21st game, I think, that he's starting. Um, I, I, this, is, this is an important year. And, and I'll say this, you know, you mentioned uh, it's, an, it's a, an 
an interesting dynamic because you've got a, a four year returner. A, you know, he's started the last three years. Um, he got injured his first year. He got injured a little bit last year. Um, but you look at it and, and I Spencer's the guy and, and this it's, it's Spencer's job to lose. But because of what we saw from Shane Illingworth last year, I think Spencer's going to be on a short leash. Um, I, I, I think he has improved. Obviously, we need to see it. You know, we need to see him go out there and, and uh, non-con play and play really well. Because if he yeah. goes out there and he's, you know, just kind of average against Missouri State and Tulsa and Boise State, and and he's still making those same mistakes, and he gets in a conference play and he really struggles against KU, uh, Kansas State, and Baylor, there's there's no reason why they shouldn't look at Shane Illingworth. Um, but that being said, I don't think that'll be the case. I think Spencer will. I, th- I think this is his year to prove that he has improved, um, and and I hope that happens. I, I really do. Look again, offensive line giant issue. It really feels like from the time that uh, oh, his name is escaping me now. Um, former offensive line coach that left for Texas. Joe Wickline. Joe Wickline. Thank you. <laughs> I that, I don't know why I couldn't get that name to my the front of my brain. It kind of feels like since he left, there has been nothing but bad luck on the offensive line, like year after year after year. Just things that are, you know, injuries or guys retire. How many? There's been multiple guys that have retired early, right? Over the last like five years, Um, it's just it's been a lot of bad luck with that group. And you know, I've heard multiple people say this off season that this group has a chance to be maybe the best offensive line group since Joe Wickline left. Stillwater, um, the, so the depth chart comes out last week. Jake Springfield at right tackle, Hunter Woodard at uh, right guard, Godlevsky, as you mentioned earlier, at center, Josh Sills at left guard, and then I guess we have the or situation at, yeah. at the left tackle position. I, you you told me a few weeks ago Caleb Etienne was a guy to really pay attention to, so I just kind of assume like maybe that's the guy to go with. But do you feel like with that group right now, as far as what the depth chart looks like, for this game, number one, they're pretty settled there, or do you think it's it's kind of a, a situation where they're going to maybe tinker with maybe some guys in different positions or or uh, maybe mix and match? No, I, I think this is it. Okay, um, that that or at left tackle, um, and so I want to I want to preface this because I've I've said it a few times over the past week, um, you know, and and I told you a few weeks ago, Caleb Etienne, he he's the guy. He's six seven six yeah. eight three fifty. Um, was the best ju- uh, the best JUCO offensive tackle in the country, but he he came in late July. So I mean he's it's a big learning curve. It, it's a big learning curve for any JUCO guy. Um, but when you go from JUCO defensive line to one of the better defensive lines in the Big Twelve, with you know going up against Trace Ford and Tyron Irby and Tyler Lacey and every single day. That, that's a that's a big learning curve going up against Juco and power five. So he's he's come and that's why there's an or there. But I will say Taylor Maturko has earned the job. I, I think he'll be the starter against okay. Missouri State and he's good. Um, he's six, six, two ninety five. He's out of Carlsbad, New Mexico. I like Taylor Maturko. He's a solid left tackle. Um, but ETN, it's hard to overlook six, eight, three fifty. And, and he is really good. And so. I think that before the season's over, you'll see ETN start at left tackle. Um, but until then, I think you'll see Maturko out there. Um, and Gundy said in his in his introductory uh, media luncheon last week that uh, the, both of those guys are going to play in the season opener. And I think you could see both of those guys play the first three or four games of the season. Um, but what's important is whoever doesn't get that spot is going to be that going to be that swing tackle. 
Um, and the fact that you have a really solid two deep, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation. Uh, I think I think you'll see a lot of guys coming in and coming out. Josh Sills is really, really. And, and I, I think what's so important this year is the fact that the guards and the center are re- bringing a guy like Danny Godlewski, all Mac, you know, compared to Jeff Saturday. I'm, I'm excited about Hunter Woodard, uh, right guard. He's out of Tuscola, Illinois. He was a guy that very under the radar. And I, and I think Hunter Woodard could be like one of the top two best offensive linemen on this team. He's, he's incredibly underrated. Not many people know who he is. Um, but I think Hunter Woodard's going to be really, really good. And then obviously the other side, the left guard, you got Josh Sills. I, I, I think the depth at this offensive line, I, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think what's important is, is something that Hunter Woodard said in an availability earlier in the fall was because of the injuries and the depth issues last year, you had a lot of guys that, that had I don't want to say had no business playing, but that we're not prepared to play at all. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, Jake Springfield came in, uh, Cole Birmingham for a little bit until he got injured. Um, Joe Mikulski played a little bit. You know, Preston Wilson played a little bit. Tyrese Wilson, uh, excuse me, Tyrese Williams played a little bit. You had a lot of young guys playing. Taylor Maturko, you had a lot of young guys playing and they got the taste of what it was like to play at this level and they didn't want to give it up. And so it, it made the competition this fall that much better for the offensive line. And so as I would, I think as long as they stay healthy and I want to try to, I want to try to be as optimistic as possible without being overly, without being overly optimistic and saying that this is going to be, you know, the best offensive line since Joe Wickline or one of the best offensive lines since the early 2010s. Um, but I, I think if this offensive line stays healthy, it could be one of the better offensive lines we've seen in a while well yeah just by being healthy I think that uh that's a fair statement because it kind of seems like they've not been healthy for like a decade yeah absolutely and I I think that's important um you know and and really don't really want to get into it but they've been good so far um and and the fact that they haven't had to kick two guys off the team and they haven't had (laughs) anyone met medically retire yet i i think that bodes well i'm i'm excited to see what this offensive line can do and that you know it 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 goes without saying but this offense starts and stops with the offensive line and so um right now they have talent and they have depth if they and, and the good thing is they have talent in depth so if they if they can stay healthy they'll be really good and and you know god forbid something happens the 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 two deep should be proficient enough now obviously you know, replacing a guy like Josh Sills or replacing a guy like Danny Godlewski is going to be difficult. Right. But but you have guys behind them that could fill that gap if need be. But this offensive line looks really good. And for me, it's like I'm excited about the defense. And then right behind it, I'm, I'm excited about the offensive line. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what, what those two units can do this year. And you didn't even mention the skill positions, which it just seems yeah. like, I mean, for, since Mike Gundy's been there, Oklahoma State's had among the best skill position players in the conference. And it's it's a rare thing where you can lose like a guy like Ch- Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. And, you know, like none of us are even talking about, uh, you know, the players who have to fill in and, and you know, make the big plays now for this offense. But um, let me ask you about the backfield. LD Brown obviously is, is I think, the guy. And I felt like he made more of his opportunities last year than, than even Chuba did. Um, but how do you see the, the carries breaking down between, you know, a very talented group of dudes back there? Yeah. So I think, I, I think you're right. I think LD is going to be the guy to start the year. 
Um, I mean, he's obviously been there the longest. He, he took advantage of the extra COVID year. Um, he filled in well last year when, when Shuba was injured. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I feel like we would have seen something by now that would tell us that LD is going to be a big time back in the starter all year long. Um, with what we saw from Des Jackson last year, my, my impression, my feeling that is at some point in the first four to six games, I think Des is probably going to take over that number one spot. I think what we saw in the spring game and, and what I'm hearing out of fall camp, I think Jalen Warren is going to be a guy that's going to warrant a lot of carry, uh, carries this year. And, and, and LD is going to be in there. He's he's going to be in that one, two, three spot. And, and it's not like the 2019 season where there was a clear difference between Chuba and everyone else. It's going to be, you know, ob- obviously it's going to be carry by committee. But I think I think Dez is probably going to earn more carries this year. He's probably going to be the guy with with LD and Jalen Warren right behind him. And I think both of those guys are going to do really well. Dominic Richardson's another guy. You're, you'll see all four backs this year. And and I'm excited to see what Dominic Richardson can do. You know, we saw him with that breakout game against Baylor last year. And then obviously Dez with, you know, 235 yards and a couple of scores against Texas Tech. I mean, anytime you rush for 200 plus yards, really doesn't matter who you're going against. I mean, that's still really impressive. Um, but I think what's so important about this group is the fact that You'll lose two guys this year. You'll lose L.D. Brown after the season, and you'll lose Des Jackson. But you look at who's coming back. I mean, you'll have Dominic Richardson, and you'll have Jalen Warren. So I think that what's important, or I guess Warren's a redshirt senior, so never mind. I thought he, I read that wrong. I thought he was a junior. Um, but you look at you look at the, the the two guys behind those four. You've got Jaden Nixon, who really came on strong in the fall in fall camp. I think you'll see a little bit of Jalen, or excuse me, Jaden. Um, but I, th- I think he'll end up red shirting this year. And then you've got a guy like Zach Middleton. I think you'll see some care, uh, some carries from him. Zach Middleton's pretty solid, man. He's, he's a, he's like a ball of muscle. He's hard to bring down. We saw him in the spring game, had over a hundred, a hundred rushing yards, really solid. But I, I think if you're looking at those four and that's, that's why I think it's important when you look at the depth chart, it's LD Brown or Des Jackson or Dominic Richardson. <laughs> or Jalen Warren, right? Because, because you'll see all four and, and I don't think there's really going to be an order. You know, Mike Gundy said a few times that if a guy gets the hot hand, he's going to continue to carry the ball. And, and for me, I I think it's going to be Desmond Jackson. We, we had the conversation last year about, you know, the Casey Dunn situation and the criticism of Casey Dunn and, you know, all of the, you know, how much of it is warranted and all that. Um, I, you know, I, I think that uh, he's been around long enough that uh, that's probably not something that uh, is is worrisome for him. But do you get the sense that he is at least more comfortable this year? And again, I mean, a lot like Spencer Sanders a year ago and, and all new starters a year ago, you're going into a new position where, you know, things are completely not normal. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many other elements to worry about beyond just the football part. Um, does he seem more settled or, or what are you hearing? No, yeah, absolutely. I I think that, I think it, it gets overlooked what Casey Dunn had to deal with in his first year as offensive coordinator. He's a, he is a brilliant offensive mind, right there. I don't think there's any question about it. He, he knows how to recruit 
He knows how to coach. He can churn out, you know, championship caliber players. And he's a really good offensive mind. What? Three or four weeks after he gets named the offensive coordinator, <laughs> the world shuts down. Yeah. The, you know, college football was drastically different than anything that we've ever dealt with before. And then it's I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say what did Casey Dunn have to deal with his first year? OK, well, let's go to the fact that they had to dismiss two offensive linemen. They had their starting left tackle medically retired. Those three guys gone before the middle of fall camp. First game, what happens? You lose your starting quarterback and you lose two starting offensive tackle, two starting offensive linemen. Down five offensive linemen and a quarterback before halftime of your first game. <laughs> right. And then Chuba, a 2,000-yard running back, is banged up all year long, had to have a couple of surgeries. So uh, he had a great defense. But other than that, I mean, you have to break in a guy that was not expected to play at all in Shane Illingworth. Now, he did well. You know, he went out there and he he beat Tulsa and he beat West Virginia and then a bit obvious, but he beat Kansas. But he did what he needed to do and he looked good doing it. And then when you bring Spencer back, you still have a banged up offensive line. And because of covid, I think the the playbook was probably a little a little tightened up. And so this is going to be it's like Spencer with Tim Rattay. This is going to be Casey Dunn's first full year. You know, he had a full offseason with these guys. He had a full spring with these guys. Everyone, knock on wood, right now is healthy. So I think that just that alone, not not even talking about comfortability, but just the fact that everyone's he has everybody and he's been able to practice and you know, have these guys out on the field for a full spring and a full fall camp. I think that right there makes Casey Dunn a better offensive coordinator. And then you add in the fact that he's had a year to do it. He's had a year to get comfortable in this new role, in this leadership role, and having guys directly under him that, that weren't under him last year or the year before. So I think that you combine all of that together, and I think you'll see. And, and it, that goes back to what Gundy said at Big 12 Media Days. I think this offense is going to operate like we saw with Mason Rudolph. You know, you're going to see more down-the-field passes. You know, you're going to see him open up the open up the playbook a little bit more because you're not limited or hampered by injuries or the fact that you're having to play, you know, true freshmen or, or redshirt freshmen that have never seen the field um, in a, in a, in live action game before. So I, I think just all of that, this, this, this offense is going to be better and it's going to be more fun to watch. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, he's more comfortable. He's done it for a year. He's used to the guys now. So I, I'm not worried about Casey Dunn there. There's always, no matter what you do, if you if you take on a new position in any job, there's going to be a learning curve, growing pains, and it, yeah, and 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 God forbid you lose five offensive linemen and a quarterback before halftime in your first right. debut, and and people are like, what the hell, man? You're supposed to be great. I'm like, what what are you dealing with here? I mean, he's he doesn't have his starters. Cut him some slack. So I think that's going to be important going into this year. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Like I said, we had that conversation a year ago, and uh, I think we're on the same page. I, I still have a lot of confidence in Casey Dunn, and and you just have to kind of understand a lot of the circumstances from last season. And and looks, you know, again, some of that is is him going through growing pains as being an OC for the first time, but he's also right. dealing with elements that are completely out of his control. Um, you know, I make this comparison with Oklahoma a lot. Like the Spencer Rattler we saw early last season 
was a completely different guy from the from the Spencer Rattler that we saw at the end of the season. He didn't have a full off season, and he was thrown into the fire, and he had to learn in game situations. And I, you know, I think the same is true. Uh, here as well. I think Casey Dunn's going to be just fine. And you give him a full arsenal, you give him a year to get through all that, and finally having an actual offseason, uh, that's that's pro- that's very low on my list of concerns if if I were uh, you know putting a, a top 10 together or something like that. I will tell you this, I'm, I'm with you on the defense, and I think they're going to be better this year than they were a year ago. I would say that I think, and this is probably always true, I mean, there have been a few seasons where you have... Um, you know, like a Calvin Barnett or somebody like that in the middle. Interior defensive line kind of feels like it's always a question mark for Oklahoma State uh, just because difference makers in in that those positions are, are kind of a rarity, especially, you know, over the last 10 years in the Big 12. And luckily, the Big 12 is kind of coming back to the center somewhat. But I love Tyler Lacey. I love Trace Ford. I love what they have on the edge. I, I think that, uh, again, interior defensive line is my biggest concern. But, uh, you know, I like that group as a whole for sure. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's really any need to concern about the interior defensive line because you look at who's coming back. I understand that, you know, it, it, it's hard for an interior lineman to make a big difference, but you look at who they return, you know, there are no newcomers in the two deep. You know, you look at Brendan Evers, he's coming off the season, and, and I think Brendan Evers is going to play a lot differently because, you know, he suffered what, what they thought could have been a season and, and maybe a career in the injury last year. Uh, ended up not being nearly as bad as what they thought. He's back. So he's playing with a different mindset this year. You've got Jaden Jernigan behind him. And that's that's an or situation. Uh, I like Jaden Jernigan. I, I think what he brings to the table is, is really good. You know, he didn't play last year due to COVID issues, but he played the year before and was really solid. And so, but he's, he's actually trimmed down a little bit. He's faster and stronger than he was a year ago. You got Israel Antwine. I'm, very excited about Israel Antoine. He is 6'3", 300. He's very, very good. He's actually one of the few defensive linemen that don't have an or, that doesn't have an or next to his name. I think I think Israel's going to be really solid. you got Sione Asi behind him. He's a redshirt senior. He's got a lot of experience. He played well last year. And then right behind him with an or is Samuel Atui Halawaka. I think both of those guys are going to be really, uh, really solid. You know, you mentioned defensive ends, Trace Ford. It's, it's an or with Brock Martin. Trace had to have his knee scoped um, either last week or, or the week before that. He's good, though. I, I just don't know if he'll play in the season opener. But Trace is good to go. You know, on the other side, you mentioned Tyler Lacey. I think Tyler Lacey is, is about to have a breakout year. We saw some of him last year. Agreed. But I think, I think Tyler's going to be really good this year. You know, behind him. You've got Col- uh, Cody Walterscheid. I'm excited about Cody Walterscheid. Uh, you know, he's the younger brother of Cole Walterscheid. He used to play here. And and about him, when they brought him in, you know, we had, we had heard when he got here, he was already bigger and stronger than Cole was when he got here. And Cole ended up being really good for Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, Cody's in his redshirt sophomore year. He's 6'6", 275. He's going to be really good. You got Nathan Latou behind him. Uh, on the other side, you know, behind Trey Ford, you got Brock Martin. And Brock Martin, I, I think Brock is due for a really good year as well. You know, he talked about having a son over the summer, and that's really changed his whole. I mean, as you can attest, having a son changes your whole perspective and outlook on life. Hundred percent. And and that's where Brock is. He, you know, he's like, I no longer wake up. You know, like I had, I have family, and 
you know, and I love them and, and they were a reason, but this is now my why. I, you know, I, I always wanted to play in the NFL and, and he has pushed me to levels I didn't think I could go to. So I think Brock Martin's going to be really solid. If you got Tyron Irby behind him, I like the defensive line. I'm, I, I understand the sentiment because there are no big time difference makers, all big 12 that are, that have earned all big 12 honors in the middle of the line. Right. But you look at the size, you look at the experience and honestly, you look at the depth and this, you know, Robert Allen, uh, my boss, you know, he talked to Joe Bob Clements, the defensive line coach back in June. And Joe Bob says this is the deepest defensive line room he's ever had. And Joe Bob has turned out some of the best big 12 defensive linemen of all time. Yeah. And so if, if, if Joe Bob thinks this is the deepest room he's ever had, who am I to argue? Well, and look, just having depth at that position can make up for maybe a lack of, of playmakers as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, and I think that's what, the, you know, you just the interior, you know, I, I think yeah. defensive end is going to be fine, but you look at the interior and, and Brendan Evers, redshirt senior, Jaden Jernigan, redshirt sophomore, but this is his second year to play. Israel Antoine, he's a senior behind him, Sioniaki, redshirt senior behind him, Samuel Atui Halamaka, redshirt junior. And then you've got Tyler Lacey, he's a redshirt junior. And then behind him are two redshirt sophomores and Walter Scheid and Latou. So, I mean, and the other side, Trey Ford, junior, Brock Martin, redshirt senior, Tyron Irby, redshirt senior. I mean, I, I can't – it's been a while since Oklahoma State has been that deep with that much experience. Um, two more things, and we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, first, who are some freshmen on either side of the ball that you think either will get early opportunities or at some point this season you could see working their way into either a starting role or a, a significant snap role? So I don't know. I'm not sure you'll see any on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm kind of, I'm trying to, to glance over the, trying to glance over the roster here real fast to see. I, I don't, I, I don't know if you're going to see too many freshmen on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Which is understandable given the, uh, the depth and, and experience coming back. Yeah, a- absolutely. But if we're talking offense, it's three guys, uh, three guys I mentioned earlier and they're on, you know, Ironically enough, they're actually all three receivers. For sure, Blaine Green. Uh, the, the, the Green Twins out of Allen are on another level. Blaine is, it was crazy. We, we went through it. Blaine Green is the first, it, it, from what we know, Blaine Green is the first true freshman to start in a season opener since Des Bryant in 2007. Wow. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that Blaine Green is going to be Des Bryant. <laughs> But heard it here. For, heard it here first. <laughs> six one, six two, two fifteen. Incredibly physical. Has great ball skills. Can outwork a defender. I think Blaine Green. Blaine Green's going to be really good for Oklahoma State. Now that right off the bat, Blaine Green. Yeah. Uh, two uh, two others that have earned spots this fall camp. Jaden Bray out of Norman. Uh, he's a receiver. He plays behind Tay Martin. Jaden Bray had a couple, at least one touchdown. I think two. In the spring game, Jaden Bray had a uh, really acrobatic circus catch Sunday night in the in the scrimmage. They had the full scrimmage on the on the field in boot pickings. So I think Jaden Bray is going to be a guy. He would. I, we, I, I asked a question in our podcast last week to, to Marshall Evanson and our new writer Ryan Breeden. If you had to pick one freshman 
to score a touchdown in the season opener, who would be? And I, the obvious would be Blaine Green, but but something's telling me Jaden Bray. I think Jaden is, and and he's he's got a learning curve. You know, there he's a little smaller. You know, he's he's 187 pounds. He needs to bulk up. He's six two, so he's got good height, but he needs to put a little more weight on, get a little stronger. With that being said, I mean, Tate Martin's 6'3", 186. So, I mean, kind of take that with a grain of salt. But the experience helps Martin out there. And then another receiver you're looking at is John Paul Richardson. John Paul is a guy that he was really good in high school. You know, he's out of, uh, where's his name? He's out of Missouri City, Texas. I like John Paul, but I, I didn't expect him to really make a difference this year. And I, and I still think there's a good chance you see him redshirt. Same thing with Jaden Bray. I think those both of those guys, there's a there's a chance that they end up redshirting before it's all said and done. But those would be the three freshmen on the offensive side. I think you'll see running back Jaden Nixon. He's out of Frisco Lone Star. I think you'll see him some this year. He's he's proven that you know when 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 Gundy was talking, well, we probably got four or five backs that are going to get touches. I him and, and Zach Middleton are that fifth. They kind of I, I would take a half from each of them. So you could see Jaden Nixon, but Blaine Green is the guy for sure. And then if you're looking at two others, Jaden Bray and John Paul Richardson. Uh, ironically enough, all three see- all three <laughs> receivers at a position that has probably the biggest question mark. I think there's talent there. I mean, Tay Martin, you know, tons if, of talent. If, yeah. If if Langston Anderson can stay healthy, Langston Anderson is going to be an absolute dude. Oklahoma State. You got Brennan Presley. Brennan, that, that goes without saying. Brayden Johnson, the fastest guy on the team. A sneaky guy. He's a redshirt freshman, so maybe this ties into your freshman question. A guy that no one knows anything about. And he, very in, before his time is up at Oklahoma State, could be one of the better players we've seen is Rashad Owens out of San Antonio. Rashad Owens is a guy that no one knew about. Oklahoma State offered him, I want to say, December 10th. 2019, he committed and signed eight days later. Wow. He flew under the radar. I think Colorado State, I think, was his biggest offer. You know, he had his, his UCSAs. I think Army might have offered for him. But no one really knows who he is. And, and Rashad Owens would be my guy for, like, breakout, breakout player of the year. Give me Rashad Owens. All right, let's finish it on this because I think oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, when I when I like preview a team, I, I talk about you know the unknowns and the question marks and the what ifs, and you know it's it's the curiosity part of what could happen in a football season. Uh, and sometimes because you're so solidified in a spot, you know it maybe it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. But uh, I I can't not spend a few minutes at least talking about Colby Harvell Peel and Trey Sterling mm-hmm. at the safety positions. I, I thought a month into the season last year, at that point at least, I felt like they were the best safety tandem in all of college football. And certainly I think the defense as a whole uh, probably didn't like the way they finished the football season. But regardless, I think coming into the year, I mean, you have to absolutely be thrilled to have two, I, I think, complete difference makers on the back end of that defense with uh, with uh, Colby, which uh, has a great name, and uh, Trey Sterling. Uh, so, uh, you you would. Um, so, I was, on, I was on with Eric G last week doing a little bit of radio, and he asked me if I had to pick one player from this defense that would win Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, who would I pick? And to me, it wasn't, it really wasn't a question. I mean, it didn't, 
it didn't take me long because I've been talking about him for several months now. And, and I like Colby Harvell Pugh. Uh, the season that Colby had in 2019 put him on the back. You know, he had, a, he had a, an off season last year, or a down season last year, rather, I should say. It was still a good year, but wasn't anywhere near 2019. I, I think it was very, very smart of him to come back for another year because I think sure. I think Colby I think Colby can be very, very good for Oklahoma State. I think he can have a really good year. But for me, if I had to pick a guy that could win Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, it's Trey Sterling. I think Trey Sterling is one of the most overlooked, underrated players in the country. He's not just one of the best safeties in the Big 12. He's one of the best safeties in the entire country. Uh, what what Trey Sterling has been able to, to transform himself into, I, I I think Trey Sterling is very, very easily, by the end of this year, is going to be in discussion of being a, you know, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and, and one of the top safeties in the country. That, that, that safety duo right there, Trey Sterling and, and Colby Harvell Peel is so dangerous. You look at just how good those two guys have been over the last three years. And I, I mean, even, even the down year that Colby had, he was still a second team, all big 12 selection. Right. He was fourth, fourth on the team with 44 tackles. He had 31 solo stops. Colby and, and, and Trey like, but Colby, it just seems like every time the ball is snapped, and the play is coming to an end. Colby is always by the ball. It just it it he has an absolute knack for finding the ball, and I and I think that's what we're going to see this year. You add three or two extra non-conference games to the schedule this year, and I and I think that before we get halfway through conference play, those two guys are going to be up for national awards, and and that's we. I love Jim Knowles, and, and I'm not trying to say that, that this defensive staff can't recruit better talent throughout the years, but it, it may be a while before you see two safeties as good as Trey Sterling and Colby Harbell-Peel on the field together at the same time for a while. Agreed. 100% agree. Zach, uh, I am, like we said at the beginning, absolutely thrilled. It is football season. Uh, once again, always good to catch up with you, but uh, specifically good to catch up with you and talk football as we are uh, inching closer and closer to the start of the season. Always appreciate you, man. Absolutely, man. I always enjoy being on. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I didn't think we were going to get the football season. It's finally here. Uh, I am just absolutely chomping at the bit to park in that parking garage and walk in. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I am very optimistic. I'm not being salty, but I am, I am looking forward to walking across campus at 110 degree heat and, and walking through the, the tailgate smoke and seeing the kids running around and, and watching the, watching the, the fans cheering the, the band walking up. And, and I, I mean, just, it, it feels now everyone's still, they need to be careful, you know, be, be safe, but it seems like we're starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy with the start of the football season. And like you, man, I just absolutely cannot wait. He is Zach Lancaster, PokesReport.com and Triple Play Sports Radio. Zach, take care, brother. Yeah, you too. Hey, congrats on that new job. <laughs> Gracias, amigo.
The podcast is over.